you guys. This is I Heard You're Married by The Weekend and Lil Wayne. I'm going to let this rock and then we'll get into the program. Thank you for tuning in. Rock till the hook. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is a fling. Joy in someone's ring. It hurts to think I'm sharing you. Episode 154 of the Blake Mayfield Podcast. I am your host, Blake Mayfield, and I'm here today with Faith Barrett. She is a real estate agent along with her husband, Dylan, and they form the Barrett team. The couple is born and raised right here in Redding, California, and while Dylan unfortunately could not make it, Faith did show up today, so thank you very much. I appreciate it. Do you like The weekend? Did you like the intro song? Yeah. I'm like, well, we could shut down the podcast right now. That was a good song. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for showing up. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're the first real estate agent I've ever had on here. Well, I'll try not to mess it up. <laughs> Try not to be the last. <laughs> yeah. Um, Try to keep the keep it going. Yeah. Or be sure. the best so you don't even have to interview anybody else now. <laughs> yeah, a one of one. One for of sure. one. Yeah. No, I have a lot of good questions. I feel like they're good questions. Yeah. Uh, just about the market and stuff like that because a lot of people are wondering a lot of things and totally. things do seem really crazy with food, housing, gas, everything. Everywhere you look, it seems crazy. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate totally. it. Totally. Absolutely. Um, I want to give a special shout out and thank you real quick to all the Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast listeners. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys very much. And last but not least, I want to give a special shout out and thank you to our sponsor, Rebel Fit Company, and also Black Rose Coffee and Tea. And now, a word from Rebel Fit. This episode of the Blake Mayfield Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Fit Company. At Rebel Fit, you'll find state-of-the-art gym equipment, a dry sauna, and the one and only posing room nicknamed the Ego Room. Rebel Fit also offers classes for those interested in kickboxing, has a PS5 to use once you're done with your workout and just want to chill, and a podcast room where you can record your journey, whether it be weight loss or life. Visit Rebel Fit Company at 161 Locust Street off of Athens Avenue in Reading. No contracts, no hidden fees, and a chance to transform your health. Come in and sign up today. Question. Um, oh, we can just kind of go at it however you want to okay. do it. It's all good. So... I want to ask you, let's just lead this off right away. Unfortunately, Dylan couldn't make it, but I wanted to ask how you met him because you guys formed the Barrett team. Uh, you guys are all over like Instagram and stuff like that. I see you guys have tons of followers. Your videos are super funny. They're hilarious. I'm not just saying that because you're here. Well, like you. when I watch them, I'm like, <laughs> they're definitely charismatic and they definitely, I think it's intentional, you know, like, yeah. like the, the comedic relief and, and the, like I said, to kick this thing off, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of stress around real estate totally. and, and stuff like that. And you guys kind of make it to where... Um, you're like real people that like mm-hmm. want to help and just kind of, I guess it humanizes you guys as far as totally. the Instagram and stuff goes. But I want to kind of start back in the day. How did you initially meet Dylan here in Reading? So Dylan and I, um, we worked originally together at a little uh, drive through convenience store called Cruise Through in Bella Vista. It's still actually there. Um, so I helped um, one of my good friends set up the business. And uh, Dylan came in as an employee um, the stars aligned, if you want to say probably just only my stars aligned. And, um, I kind of was like, Hey, this kid's really cool. Like, so we started working together. Then we went to Shasta college. Um, and then Dylan kind of went down an entrepreneur route and I kind of stuck with, um, going through college, getting a degree. Cause that was kind of where my focus was at the time. Dylan was kind of in Dutch bros. So we started dating and then eventually, you know, got married. So we've been, we'll be married eight years in August. So we got, thanks. Yeah. That's awesome. Got married at 20. Couldn't even, you know, have any alcohol at our wedding, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, when you're young and in love, it it all works out. So yeah, we've been married almost eight years, um, kind of been together for about 12. So gotcha. How's Dylan involved in Dutch Bros? So Dylan was involved with running the 24-7 Churn Creek. Um, he was the manager for that uh, for a couple years. Uh, we actually thought we were going to franchise in Dutch Bros. Um, things kind of changed for us, um, just how we thought the franchising model came out. And so we kind of just pivoted, and then he got into real estate. And I was um, 
Gosh, I was still, I was just about to finish nursing school or start my first um, job as a nurse, and he jumped into uh, real estate. And so I did nursing for about a year and a half. That's my first primary career. And uh, he started his real estate um, business career and kind of just did it alone. And then I was like, oh, that looks fun. And I was like, I got to join you. So I was going to ask, like, what made you want to jump into his lane? Um, or what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So Dylan started out with commercial. And so he was just like, I just want to focus on commercial. I love business people. I really want to just work with the business entrepreneur people. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're missing residential, which is a huge part of real estate. And so I was like, what if I jump in, take that role? I love helping people. I love the, hey, can you find me this? I can't find it right now. And uh, with that real estate puzzle. And so I kind of just jumped in and got the real estate license. And then we kind of just formed the Barrett team together. And it just kind of took off naturally as like a young entrepreneur couple, um, husband and wife team. And the husband and wife team really carried us so much farther than just Dylan by himself. No offense, babe. You know, so it really helped us. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. Does it like affect your guys' relationship at all? I mean, people, you know, you always have the mom and pop restaurants or something like totally. that where it's like, you know, somehow a family makes it work or somehow a couple makes it work. Do you guys find yourselves intertwining personal and work or do you guys find a way to keep that separate and keep a good balance? Uh, I could ask my marriage counselor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, so we, uh, it's hard because like building a business is one of our primary goals and things that we want to do in life. And we want to create passive income. And, you know, as we get farther into this podcast, you'll probably learn a little bit where we are in our investing journey. Um, but for us, like being able to work at that same goal together is like what we wake up every single morning aiming for. So for a while, I would feel guilty if we talked about business all the time. But then I was like, this is who we are. This is what we're passionate about. So we actually work really, really well together. I'm very the creative lens. Um, the people that come up with all the social media ideas and Dylan's very black and white. And it really helps structure and balance us. I would say there's some points that with how hectic real estate can be, it's hard to shut off those moments and just be like present and with each other. Um, but that's kind of where we just block time out. It's like, okay, we're going to the coast this weekend. Like, let's update all of our clients. We're leaving for the weekend. Every No fires, you know, everything's good. Let's enjoy the time. So it just naturally becomes part of our lives together versus having to, you know, try, truly try to separate it, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. How long do these skits take to make? Like, how long oh. do they, like, from the time you conceive the idea to... <laughs> Post on Instagram because it's like a lot of work goes into them. Yeah. If Dylan was here, it would be a different time. Um, I I am very uh, cautious. Well, I should say this. Dylan will say his pet peeve about me is that I can take a photo and then I'll have to retake the photo, even though the first photo is good, just to have another option. And so the skits can sometimes take, if we don't plan it out, it can take a couple retakes, but we sit down monthly and we plan out all the skits and then we shoot everything in one oh, wow. day. So I can go like, I love creating content and Dylan, as long as he's like on board with it all and understands it, he can run pretty long with it, but he gets pretty tapped with it, but he's 100% a true trooper uh, for putting up with all my crazy ideas. I'm like, what about this? And he's like, oh my gosh, Faith, not the wig again. So <laughs> <laughs> what inspired that? Like, did you guys know you had to do the social media thing? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of, um, I'm not gonna say companies around here or anything in particular, but there's a lot of brands and stuff that if they use TikTok or Instagram, it would help them more. And I feel like this 100% has helped you guys probably get more sales, land bigger sales, and just be more visible to the public. You know, someone like me that I'm not you know, coming with a, a loan or anything totally. yet, but it's like, oh yeah, the Barrett team, like they're cool and, and they do skit. Yeah. What inspired that? Was it the TikTok trends or you guys just wanted to do it? Um, For a while, if you scroll actually back to our very first post we ever made and I was like hesitant to delete it because I'm like, eh, that's not us anymore. But it's really cool to watch how much we've grown and changed our platform. For a while, I thought I had to prove how many sales we've had and like what we sold and what we listed. And then my mindset changed and I was like, you know what, this isn't really... Like, nobody really cares about the sales. Nobody cares if I've sold XYZ houses. Maybe if I'm in a top competition with another agent, like, will I bring that up? But I would rather people authentically know who I am so that, like, my motto has always been, like, your vibe attracts your tribe. And so, like, if I'm fun, authentic, goofy, like, and people, like, DMS all the time, hey, can you help me sell? Can you do this? It's like I already know they know who I am, and I don't have to prove it through, um, you know, anything else. So I follow a lot of content creators. I get inspired a lot by their stuff. 
Um, and then I just kind of create my own stuff and just kind of say, hey, how can I put my own spin on it? What are people doing different? What do people want to learn? And, you know, we create a lot of content around, I guess, what millennials would love to watch. But I also think like the middle age, you know, adult appreciates it as well because it's humor. You know, we're not going to attract everybody because our humor doesn't reach everybody. And that's totally fine. Um, at the end of the day, I'm just here to serve and like work with people that want to work with us. And so by creating such a unique content, it's just allowed us to attract certain people that we just really want to work with, which is awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, because I wonder, like, have any of them gone super viral? Because there's a couple of them that like they had the potential to like just be out of here. Have you guys ever like gone quote unquote viral? Like what's the biggest video you've gotten? So what's funny is um, everything is based off of algorithms with like Instagram, not to get too technical. I don't know. Like I'm not like a nerd about it, but like if you can jump on a trend before it becomes popular, you can easily, uh, you know, create that viral reach because then everybody starts duping off of you. So one of our most recent ones was I did like a Zestimate and it had the Shark Tank you know, theme song behind it. And there wasn't that many that were doing it. And so we jumped in and I was like, Hey, let's do Zestimate, like walking in and, you know, it's almost like shark tank trying to pitch like the real value of a home versus what the seller thinks their Zestimate is. Um, and we naturally got like 48,000 views from doing nothing. Wow. And I was like, and then you can see how many shares it is and saves. And I was like, wow, like I didn't really put much thought into it. Like it literally took me two minutes to like film that, like just come up with the idea and like film it. Um, and then a couple other ones that we've done, um, we did one kind of TikTok trend and it got like 25,000 views. So, um, you know, for what we do, we've definitely massively grown a lot from doing reels, um, and kind of, you know, seeing what takes viral, you know, if it's a TikTok trend or like a trending audio for that. So, yeah. When'd you guys make your Instagram? Cause I see you have like 3,800 followers. That's really good for being real estate agents. Oh man. It has been <laughs> a labor good. of love getting to that. I, I, I told myself from the very beginning that we would organically grow our followers and I would never buy followers because I can easily tell when an account is buying followers. So I have organically grown to 3,800. I would love to reach higher. Um, please, you know, like and follow us on Instagram <laughs> if you're listening to this po- podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so we, oh gosh, we've been in the business for a little bit over five years. So it's taken me probably about five years. It took me about a year and a half to really find you know, our content. And then I probably would say like about a year and a half, a year and a half ago, we got really serious with making our content, our shows, kind of fleshing out things that were working, what's sticking, what do people want to watch? And now we've kind of honed it down to like these 60 second blurb or even 30 second blurbs because nobody has really much more attention span, you know, for that. So yeah, at least my audience doesn't. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect time, you know, to, to capture and, and move on, you know, anything longer than that, you're kind of like seven seconds out, is so. like the golden time, but I'm like, I can't say stuff faster yeah. than seven seconds. I was so. saying, it's very short, <laughs> yeah. very short. Yeah. Do you guys ever, you guys are real estate agents. Do you ever contact other real estate agents when you're looking to buy a home or looking to maybe even flip something get a flip company in there? Or do you guys just, you know, the market, you're confident in your ability and you do it on your own. Cause I've always wondered this. I'm like, you guys do this for a living, you know, but mm-hmm. like a doctor can't do surgery on himself, you know? Totally. So is it one of those things or do you guys just, you do your own yeah. thing, you do your own research. Everybody's going to have like a different answer for me. Like if it's a primary property for myself, depending on the area. So I'm licensed in California, so I can service technically anywhere in California. I could sell a okay. house in San Diego it then becomes, I break it down, then does it become ethical that I sell a house in San Diego if I don't truly know the neighborhood, the area, the location, you know, the price point. So if it, a lot of times we'll get a lot of referrals um, from different agents from different areas saying, hey, like I have a buyer, you know the area, I'll just pass it off to you. And if I have somebody down there, then I'll pass it off to them. So you kind of create this networking um, or whatnot. If I have a, you know, if I personally wanted to buy outside of the area, I probably would try to see if I could, you know, represent myself, but seek knowledge of like other, you know, you know, networks that I have around the area. If it was personally for myself uh, to let me know, like, hey, like, what do you think about this area? whatnot? Some realtors will actually have if they're like more like retired, like we're selling a house right now with one of a realtor who's not really active anymore. Sometimes a realtor will hire another realtor here locally to represent them if it's their primary house, just to kind of separate that, like, you know, they have a disclosure and a due diligence as a seller, but now they don't want to take on the role as an agent as well. So they try to separate that relationship if they're like selling their primary house sometimes if they're not super active. So kind of just depends on how comfortable you are in the situation. 
Yeah, for sure. Because, so Gover Ranch, I want to get into this with you. Yeah. You guys sold it. Yeah, it's it was really fun. It was a really fun project. $2.1 million. When did that happen, and how did you guys even get a hold? That's, like, such a big place to even, like, get a, a hold of, I guess, or, or to, yeah. to own, to sell. So what's actually really cool, um, the prior owners are actually really good uh, friends and clients of ours now. Um, so I had received an email from uh, the owner, and she was like, hey, like, you know, we're interviewing agents. We watch your stuff. We see you. We'd love to interview you. And what's actually funny is she emailed our team account, and I do check that, but sometimes, like, I don't check it every day. And for whatever reason, I accidentally had missed her email, and I, like, immediately emailed her back. I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's, like, been a day, like – Yes, yes, yes. We'd love to meet with you guys. So we walked through the whole property, um, just really connected with them. Um, it was probably one of it, it. It is one of our largest sales, just because our area doesn't have a ton of luxury price points like this. And um, we just connected, and I just had a really. I my brain works at like I have ideas and creativity for what videos we can shoot. It's almost like a notebook in my head. Like I'm like I may not be able to apply this type of video to this property but one day if I were to get this property I can easily pull from this like resource bank in my head and so we just pitched to them this like crazy commercial idea that I had for the property just from walking I was like I have a vision for this we can tie in the horses we can tie in the wedding venue all this kind of stuff and it just kind of worked and they you know I we were between one other agent and um, ourselves and at the end of the day I was just like hey like I'm very confident in what we can do I know what we can bring to the table. Like, you know, I'd love the opportunity and they ran with it. We list that property. I mean, it did help that people know Gover Ranch. Um, so that did help a lot. Um, but we did list that property. I mean, we probably shot for an entire week on that property, you know, collectively. It was a long production, formed a website, everything. And uh, we sold it within 17 or 18 days or something like that. We had multiple offers on it, surprisingly. You know, just people understanding just the value and the weight that that property can say, carry. It's a very big deal around here. Yeah. Absolutely. You can run it as a wedding venue. You could run it as a ranch. You could run it as a primary homestead. I mean, there's so many different options. But we were very... Um, creative in how we marketed. We didn't want to just market as a wedding venue because if somebody was looking at it, it was like, oh, I'm not interested in weddings. We didn't want to nix that potential potential buyer for like a ranch property. So we just kind of kept it very neutral with all the options that the property could offer. And we were just blown away by like the response and people, like how quickly people jumped on it. And it was probably one of the coolest sales we've done in a long time just because it was just so much history and so such a cool stamp in our area to be like, people are like, oh, you're the bear. It's like you sold Gulf Ranch. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Hell yeah. 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 That's a trophy for sure. Yeah, it was really cool. I was like, pop the champagne on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually was really smooth. The agent that we, you know, brought the buyer was just phenomenal. Karen was awesome. And it was just overall a really great um, transfer, which was really important to the, you know, sellers too, that somebody who took it over just really loved and carried the name well. And, you know, now they're doing super well with it and just still carrying the name so well, you know. So it's a really cool, iconic sale that we had in our books for sure. Absolutely. Do you think that kind of helped with your guys' like brand and branding? I mean, stuff like that. It's like athletes, you know, they go to another level when they mm -hmm. win a championship. Like, I love sports. That's kind of how I equate it. I equate this to you guys like winning the Super Bowl or like winning the final. Like, do you yeah. guys kind of think of it that way? It's like, okay, now we hit this next level that we sold this big, yeah. like you said, iconic around here ranch that people go to. Yeah, I think if anything, it takes a special person to, you can't, for us, we couldn't have just listed, prayed, and hoped that property sold. We really like had commercial and ads and just like a vision. And we took a very unique way. I don't know if you watched the video, it's kind of buried in our um, videos. Cause it was like back in August, but you know, we created this whole like country. Dylan was a farmer wanting the country or city boy and he wanted the country life. And so we brought in a horse, we brought in an <laughs> actor. We, I mean, we shot for an all day series event for this like three minute commercial. And, um, for us, I think it just diversified. It just helped us get out of the box to allow people to see like where our creativity was that like now if I go on listing appointments and it's just like, what do you do for a listing video? It's like, well, this is a product I, sh you know, we sold and this is like how creative we went with it. And it just gives it, you know, it puts uh, the, you know, it validates like what you actually did and it doesn't go, oh, that's a cool idea. It's like, no, we actually did that. Here's like proof of it. So if anything, it just kind of helped my creativity come to life, which was really cool to see and diversify us for sure. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's beautiful out there. There's tons yeah. of land. I've been to two weddings out there. So when I saw you guys had, that's a, 
it's a big flex. I mean, it, it is, yeah. you know, no, and, and it's okay to be, you know, proud it, of something like that. It was really exciting. Yeah, That's it was really, really, really cool. exciting. Yeah. What's funny is when Dylan and I got married, the white house over at the bottom of Turn Creek was very popular. And then Gover just like took off as the new like wedding venue too. And I was like, babe, if we ever, you know, renewed our vows, like this would be so cool out here. So um, it was really cool to just see it as like a full venue. And then just personally how much the, you know, uh, the previous owners had taken care of it. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys also sold that one mansion over off of uh, off airport over. Um, it's off airport, and then you go down. I forget the road. It's like uh, with. Uh, I'm blanking so hard right now. You guys sold a million dollars. I think it's over by. I want to say the uh, the Dollar General and back over there on that road. I, um, I we sold the name a of couple. It. We sold one that was over off of Purple Elm. And then we sold one over off of like Muscat, which was on the west side. Um, I mean, we, we definitely have top more into luxury market. Um, but either way, if it has a pool or has a cool venue, we either jump into the pool at the end or we do a big popping champagne video. So <laughs> it's probably on there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a, uh, yeah, um, Muscat Court. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, that Muscat. One. Yeah. yeah we five jumped bedroom, in, five mm-hmm. bath, one million. Yeah. That was really cool. These are big deals to me. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like if I were to close something like that, I would be like, I'd be so just proud and just shocked. I was like, yeah. we did that. You yeah, know? we popped the champagne, jumped into the pool. And that was kind of funny as that was like our first video we ever jumped into the pool for, which I don't think most people here like, I don't know, jump in pools after they close the house <laughs> as realtors. So I was like, babe, we're jumping in the pool, popping the champagne. So we did that. And then it was kind of funny as like people would be like, hey, if you sell my house, are you going to jump in the pool? And I was like, sure, I'll jump in the pool. Like, let's go. <laughs> it's so, hot. <laughs> yeah. So we did, we did another pool jumping up on Purple Elm. We did like a drone video shoot of it. Like we got like all technical on that one and it was really cool. So yeah. Seven bedroom, five bath. Man, this is crazy. Yeah. Del Rio court. I was going through all these and I'm like, these are really just cool, like Wind Cove place. It's like, that looks like something out of like Malibu. Like, it's like, it's just like straight luxury. I don't know. I was very surprised. I was very pleasantly surprised. And I was like, this is really cool that, you know, you guys wanted to come on. And I definitely wanted to talk about this stuff because this is places that I know I've been for weddings and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and places that I know are big deals around here. And if you own a piece of wedding like that, you know, People get big egos over stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It is really, really cool. It's like I said, it's just helped diversify and shown people that we we're not just married to like residential. Like we are open for, uh, you know, there's not a lot of wedding venues that come up. So it's like, yeah, that was my first wedding venue I ever sold. So it was just like, hey, like I know what I can do marketing wise. You have an attorney. I know the process. Like you know, I I'm so confident in what I could do, and it just kind of just gave me another mark on my resume of like, I can do this because I've done it before. And this was the process we did kind of thing. So yeah. How recently were all these uh, this last couple years? Is this last five years? Over the last like year and a half, we've broken more into the luxury market. Um, Just as you kind of have experience, you grow your sphere of influence, people refer you, it's just like naturally kind of come. So like Muscat was like actually like an online lead. Um, And I connected with this lady and she just like we ran with it. We ended up selling her grandma's house and everything like that. So, um, and then, you know, as things have kind of continued to go on, it's just, you know, over the past, like I would probably say a year and a half to two years, we've just broken more into a higher price sale, which is really cool. And I think that's just naturally Reading has become a little bit, you know, increasing their prices post COVID and everything that it kind of naturally helps you move a little bit quicker into that price point too. I was looking up the uh, median house price just in California in general, and it's $834,000 in 2022. Yeah. All these houses in Reading, though, are going for, I mean, Gover Ranch is $2 yeah. million, uh, Musket Court's $1 million, but that's a mansion like on a little yeah, hill with yeah, a pool yeah. in, the, in the front yard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's crazy. But all those are going for less than the median house price. The market around here, what do people look for the most? Like, what do people kind of hit you guys up for? Is it the luxury? Is it just, hey, I just want like three bedroom, two bath. I want something, you know, overlooking maybe like something on Hilltop, mm-hmm. overlooking the town or the river. Like where do people kind of flock to area wise here in town? I would say that if we look at things post COVID, like people's perception of what they wanted in a home has completely changed. It's uh, It became more of like an emotional purchase of just a m- more emotional understanding of like what a house means to people. So post COVID, I'll base my answer off of that. Um, there's a lot of people that, have moved up from the Bay area who have kind of pushed into our area. And then there's people in our area that have moved out to different States. And so as more people have come in or people lay more deeper roots here, a lot of we're seeing is more like multi-generational families trying to live together. Um, so like a large house with a small in-law unit in the back, 
you know, um, on a bigger piece of property. So the really the hot properties right now are like homes with pools um, as the summer comes around. Of course, <laughs> and yeah. then um, the multi-generational like um, setup with an in-law unit, um, you know, or just land in general so people just can have space. Um, as the, you know, Bay Area people have kind of uh, moved up here, like they've kind of absorbed some of more of like our higher end price homes and kind of, you know, tapped into those subdivisions. So we service a lot of range of people from like first time home buyers all the way under 300,000, all the way to like over a million. So, you know, I would say like our kind of average people that we service is kind of just either moving into a new home because their family's outgrown um, or like that first time home buyer who's just kind of just trying to get their stab at the real estate market. So, yeah. Do you guys ever with, you know, these luxury houses and stuff like that and, and, you know, the Gover Ranch sale, do you ever wish like, I wish we bought this. Do you ever look back or are you happy with like what you have? Cause I wonder that too, as real estate agents, I feel like I'd like every house I'd walk into, I would like pitch to myself. I want to buy right. it. I feel like it's tough. Like, you can't, you know, get a ton of, I mean, you could have had the money, but like getting a ton of properties is not realistic for a lot of people. Do you ever feel like that? Like, man, I wish we had yeah. done that ourselves. You, you know, it's funny is like, there's definitely properties I walk into. I've learned a lot over time, like what my style is and what I like and what I appreciate. And there's homes that we've sold on that I'm like, man, if we were in a better position of like in that mindset of either settling down or like transitioning into something larger, you know, smaller, whatever, like I would totally jump on that house. So there is some like houses that we sell. I'm like, dang, that's a really cool house or dang, this is my dream house, you know? Um, you know, and so there's, there has been like some cool, like opportunities of like thinking about that or like seeing like what the possibility would be. But overall it has definitely given me some better idea on my style of what I would buy for sure. So, yeah. Do you guys just do Reading? I mean, I know Gover Ranch is Anderson kind of yeah. more towards Cottonwood. Do you guys do more sales just in Reading, or are you guys, like, all over in Shasta County? We're pretty much all over in Shasta County. I would say all the way up to Mount Shasta, all the way out to Shingletown, and then down to, like, Red Bluff is kind of my territory. After that, if I truly, honestly don't know the area, like, I am 100% okay saying, like, hey, you will be better serviced by somebody who knows the area better. Because at the end of the day, like, I want what's best for the client. Like, I am not, like, I have to get transaction transaction action like I want to make sure like you're well taken care of and if I don't know the area like I will refer it out um so that's kind of like our scope but mainly pro- uh, predominantly like we're like Reading, Palisadro, Anderson, Cottonwood um you know Shingletown too so yeah absolutely I want to take a break real quick when we come back I want to talk about inflation just the real estate market yeah. post that you know post COVID and stuff like that mm-hmm. we can get into that more good topic. and also I want to get into this uh, Father's Day giveaway I saw Ooh, you guys are yeah. doing on Instagram yeah, yeah. since Father's Day is right around the corner so totally. real quick we're going to take a break guys and now a word from Black Rose Coffee and Tea this episode of the Blake Mayfield podcast is brought to you by Black Rose Coffee and Tea Are you starting a brand new diet and want something organic and delicious? Want to support a locally owned and operated family business? Have you ever tried peanut butter in your coffee? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should try out Black Rose Coffee and Tea. At Black Rose Coffee and Tea, you'll find all sorts of pairings you won't find anywhere else, such as the white chocolate and peanut butter blend called the Ecstasy, organic on-tap kombucha, and the chance to make your furry best friend Instagram famous through their at dogs of Black Rose page. Visit Black Rose Coffee and Tea at 9539 Old Oregon Trail in Redding, California. Open seven days a week. Bring the kids, dogs, or whoever you hold near and dear to you and rethink the way you coffee today. All right, guys, and we are back. So I want to ask you about this. It's on everyone's mind, especially, you know, mm-hmm. when you go to the... Yeah. How's the market? <laughs> yeah. Is the market going to crash? <laughs> yeah. Is there, I mean, not only that, I guess we can get into that in the second yeah. part, but just inflation-wise, I mean, you know... Going back to the sales that you guys have done, the, the the big impressive sales and whatnot, do you think you guys would have been able to fetch something like two million for Gover Ranch five years ago? Um, and just the topic of inflation and real estate in general, do you think it's made it more valuable, or do you feel like unfortunately it's a bubble and mm-hmm. all bubbles kind of pop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like a. Comic. I'm not trying to put you. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, yeah I don't want to make. I a don't song. have like a magic crystal ball. Um, to break it down, I would say that obviously, like everything's very inflated right now. Post COVID, like I said, people all of a sudden realized what houses were, and like we were getting twenty offers. And you know, I think maybe the risk of somebody buying a business post COVID or where we are now. I think the. I think for how iconic a Grover was, like I still think it would do extremely well. Um, just because weddings are even in more high demand just because of everybody trying to recover from what they missed out in COVID. Um, so I think it would do still really well. I would definitely say that with where we are in the market, like 
things are still continuing to appreciate. And the caveat of it is people just see like all these high interest rates and all these high prices and they just immediately think of 08 and that the market's going to crash. And if you look over like the six recessions we've had over the past 40 years, out of the four, two of those were affected by the, um, the housing appreciation was affected by that. So 08 was a, the recession was caused because of the um, housing crisis. And then 1991, home appreciation went down by 1.9%. All other recessions, all all four times, the the housing prices have actually stayed steady and have continued to appreciate. So where we are right now with inflation and everything, they are projecting that home prices are going to continue to home home values are going to continue to appreciate, and the interest rates that we're seeing is just the Fed's trying to like slow down, you know, this high demand that we've had because they made interest rates like so dirt cheap, you know, post COVID. And so where we are right now, I, I think like the housing market's going to stay, continue to stay strong. And if anything, what I tell people right now is where we are with the market and all these like high, high air quotes, um, interest rates that we are, it's still relatively low compared to like historical times of interest rates. And I tell sellers right now, I'm like, you have like the most serious pool of buyers right now. People that are willing to buy your house at a five, you know, Oh, like high fives, interest rates reaching into six. Like you have the most serious buyers right now who are still trying to grab, you know, grab onto like a great investment property to hedge against inflation. Because once you buy your home, you lock in that interest rate and you lock in that payment, the home prices can continue to rise. Interest rates can still rise, but you're set at that fixed rate, you know, of like what that payment's going to be. And then I tell people like, hey, like for you, you know, if you were to buy a house, you know, interest rates aren't going to be forever at like, you know, five, six, maybe seven, if they reach there, like they're going to come down eventually once the feds see that, like it's kind of calmed down a little bit and then you can refinance. But where I say you've won is if the mortgage payment works for you, like you can, you know, lock in that appreciation now, enjoy your home appreciating and then just refinance when the interest rates come lower and, you know, get a better uh, monthly mortgage once the interest rates come down. Yeah, this stuff started interesting me, and it's funny you bring that up, when my mom uh, bought her first house at 30, 2003, mm-hmm. and she got it for, I want to say, like 180, 190, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. So it's, it's an Anderson. Um, yeah. And I think now it's worth like 300 something, 400 something, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's crazy to see. Uh, we moved to Cottonwood in 2016, you know, the whole family went over there, and um they still own the house today, but I was like, why don't you guys sell the house? And then, you know, and at the time just the market wasn't, you know, what my mom wanted it to be. And now I'm telling her like, you should try and flip this. Like there's mm-hmm. no better time than now. So if someone's in a situation like my mom who has a mortgage that, you know, she has people just rent out or whatever, and then she has her home, mm-hmm. would it be a good idea to hold on to the other asset? Or would you maybe try and ship that off right about now due to the, I mean, we just saw the biggest interest rate hike in 28 years yesterday, uh, you know, 0.75%. It's gone up 1.25% over the last two months already in 2022. Mm -hmm. What do you think about people that have options and and real estate? What should they do with the second and third assets? Yeah. So my husband and I invest, so I can kind of speak on like how we look at things. Um, I always break it down. Like what's your long-term goal? If your long-term, if your long-term goal is to build passive income, then why, you know, it does that property currently generate the income that you're hoping for that starts building that passive income for you? If it's not, and it's a burden, the tenants aren't working out, you want more doors, meaning a duplex, an apartment, or some kind of different investment, then I'd say, hey, like, let's sell and see if we can get you a better investment opportunity to create that passive income. So my husband and I currently are in single family residence right now. Um, That's kind of where we started. Um, You know, we did think it through, but a deal just landed in our lap uh, two and a half years ago. And we're like, okay, let's buy it. Like, and then we kind of started piecing together, like what's important to us. And um, I think it just really depends on, you know, everybody's like, should I sell? Should I buy? What should I do? And if it's for a short term game of like, hey, like, I think I'm just going to like buy and then I'll sell like, you know, six months, seven months, whatever down the road. I don't really see that being valuable. But if you have like a long term goal, like to me, that's more important to operate out of versus the reaction of like, oh, my house is worth X. Like I should sell it now. It's like, great. Like you should. But where what's that next move? Like, you know, where where are we moving to next? Um, so with that being said, I would just kind of you know, focus on like what the, you know, objection is of why you would move and where you're going. So interest rates are, and have been historically low post COVID. Mm-hmm. 
do you worry about a recession as a real estate agent? I mean, is it something that maybe keeps you up at night? Is it something that it's like, it's something that, you know, you just maybe can't even, you can't ignore it. Maybe it's something as simple as that. Do you worry about it or think about it? Or is it just like people are always going to want houses? Cause it seems like, uh, and you brought this up earlier with COVID that people realize houses probably are one of the most important thing they can have, especially if they're not mm-hmm. traveling to the office, if they're not totally. traveling, there's Instacart now, there's DoorDash. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to the grocery you store, like from your couch, <laughs> right. You don't have to. So it's like, if you're going to spend some people 24 seven or most yeah. of the time in this house, exponentially, you know, the price will go up and people will see the value in it. Do you worry about a recession at all though? Um, I, for the entire economy. Okay. Um, I mean, technically, you know, we, we, from looking at everything that we've seen over the years, like with recession. So how I explain it to people is like everybody bases their feeling of how the market or where the market should be post COVID. Like interest rates are like 2%. Like you could get it so dirt cheap and they're like, oh my gosh, we're so high. But if you took away COVID, which is an anomaly year, and you actually look where we were at post COVID, we were actually at a normal appreciating market with interest rates at four and five. But now all of a sudden, because somebody got a taste of like a super low interest rate and now we're sky high, like people are like reacting of like, oh my gosh, this is such a large jump. Like, I don't know if this is, uh, if we're in a bubble now. And so like when my husband and I bought our house, we bought it in 2018, we were at a 4.75% interest rate. And I thought we were high. And I was like, but that was normal to me. So when interest rates moved to like the four and creeped up to the fives, I was like, well, that's where I was at 2018. Like, so it was like normal for me, but the people that got the taste of how low it could go without singing the song, how low can you go? Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, without uh, with the people getting the taste of like how low interest rates were, it's hard for people who are just getting into the market to compare it to what an that anomaly year we had. So I always say take out that year and look at where we were pre-COVID um, to know like how appreciations, you know, how home prices were, you know, appreciating and where interest rates were. We actually, you know, where we are with this micro, what I say, this adjustment where we are like, yes, things are slowing down. We're not getting 20 offers. It's not a bad thing. How I describe it is like during and post COVID, like at the tail end of COVID and post COVID, like we were going 90 miles per hour. It was just like, I will give me, give you, you know, all this crazy like offers just to get the house because I need a house so, so bad. And now it's like, we're going maybe at like 65, 70, we're still doing really, really great, but people aren't used to that, like slow down. So they think slow down recession, crashing bubble. Oh my gosh, why would I ever buy real estate? And it's just like the headlines that are out there, like the best way I heard it is like, Headlines do more to terrify than to clarify. And people a lot of time just read the headlines and they're like, the news says the market's crashing. It's like, but are you talking to a real estate expert to know that? Where are you getting your source? Like, where are you getting your data? And I tell people, this market is not for everybody. There are some people who are going to lose out because interest rates are so high that they can't afford anything anymore for where they feel comfortable. And there's people that are like, hey, I'm still at a comfortable place that I can buy something and lock in and see the value of real estate and want to keep, you know, pushing towards getting that goal of that house. So there's just two sides of it. And some people are out and they'll be back in when interest rates feel like it's lower or the market's a better time for them. But I think the biggest mistake that most people make is they're trying to time it. They're trying to time the market. When's the, I'll read the headlines. The market yeah. says it's going to cool off. I'll just wait till the price. Just because, just because uh, there's a slowdown doesn't mean home prices are going to come down. Um, they're projecting that home prices are going to continue to rise. Right. So you could lock in your, like I said, you could lock in your value of your home now with a higher interest rate if that monthly mortgage makes sense to you and then refinance down the road. But now you've locked in that house value and now you just get it ride that appreciation wave. Like your mom who bought it probably what felt high at 180 and now in it's like, yeah, yeah and, and now it's, it's like 300,000. That's the same yeah. thing with my husband. We thought we were ridiculous for paying new construction 306. Now it's like, oh my gosh, we stole that house. And we would have never known that now my house is valued at 450,000 and 475 probably. And I've done diddly squat to it, except for put some grass in the backyard. So it's been four years. Yeah. That is an insane amount of value. Yeah. So it's it to me, I'm just like, you can't time it. You don't know it. But for me, like it's my safest investment is to buy real estate. And that to me has always been my 
you know, that's just where Dylan and I have stayed true to is like real estate. Like, I mean, there's also other ways you can invest in. You don't always have to do real estate, but for us, real estate's always made sense of how we hedge against inflation and just kind of ride the wave of what real estate's going to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny you bring that up because you see the the crypto market crash two or three days ago. Finally, it's been kind of <laughs> it's been slowly dying. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it just it finally just like collapsed to the ground. And the one thing that has kept going that is red hot that it's, you know, steam coming out the back is the real estate market. Mm-hmm. You know, you see gas prices going crazy. Everyone yep. wants, you know, electric cars now. And I think we're kind of going more green and, st- and stuff like that. Just naturally. I think yeah. we have to. I think there's a lot of people, especially here in this state and whatnot. Um, and real estate's kept up really well. California is, besides New York and I believe Florida, uh, easily the most expensive state in the entire country for everything. Yeah. Everything. And you said Sunniest that- state, but most expensive <laughs> to sit there. It's beautiful. I mean, I was it's just in San Francisco yeah. this last weekend and San Francisco- The diversity that California brings is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was 68, like it, it, the bay is just glistening and it's like, this yeah. is why people pay 800 grand for totally. whatever. You know, it's like, it's it's hard to beat it. Totally. Do you worry, though, about California has by far the most billionaires that live in it, 40 mm-hmm. million people. And I know you bring up stuff like San Diego uh, in other cities where you're like, I'm not too familiar. I'd pass you off to another person. Do you ever see, do you and Dylan ever plan maybe on going outside of the state? Do you ever get worried people will stop buying? I mean, people have money here. Billionaires live here. You said people come up from the Bay to Reading for whatever reason it is. Do you ever worry that it'll slow down or do you, are you kind of confident that California has enough money to keep yeah. this up? I mean, I think for me, like I wake up every day being like, I'm just going to be the best I can in our area. And for me, where I feel comfortable that I can excel and provide value to people is being the knowledge broker. So for me, it actually terrifies me more picking up and moving to a different state where I don't even know which street is the safest to live on. So, or like what, you know, where this iconic place is. So for me, it's like, I know Reading inside and out, like I'm born raised here. So for me, like I'll ride the wave if we like the growth that we've had downtown, you know, like nobody's thought we would grow so much, you know, to its full potential and we're continuing to grow for downtown and for whatever pros and cons Reading has that people see it or hear about it like I honestly think like if for my husband and I like sticking it out for me is way more important than just trying to ride the short wave you know like okay we got a good market we made a lot of money you know we helped a lot of people okay peace out like I'm like I want to be it in the trenches and the highs and when we're like on the map that people want to come visit the city so then I can say I've seen it through all the seasons like I know every phase that we've gone through so I'm not really worried about it I think it just really depends on how much you're pouring into your business so if you're just banking on it's going to be a good market and you're going to make a lot of money or sell a lot of houses like maybe that's some people's business platform for me I'm like I just want to consistently provide value to people and maybe my value will help people to continue want to buy and kind of flesh out the fear and still see Reading as a great place or California as a great place to live you know for whatever pros and cons it has. What do you hear from people that move from the Bay Area or Sacramento or L.A., wherever it is, about Reading? Like, why do they want to come here? Because it's funny you bring that up. I'm born and raised here as well, and it feels like the city is, like, in a renaissance era, which is Mm -hmm. amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think it's definitely uh, well overdue, to be honest with you. What is the main attraction about Reading? I mean, is it, like, the Sundown Bridge? Is it Because, I mean, it gets hot here. Like, there's a lot of stuff people can draw back on. What is the reason that brings them in that you guys hear from people? I think it's just like the affordability of our area. I mean, yeah, we're not like, you know, uh, Sacramento or Chico or, well, I would say more like Sacramento or San Fran where we have like these booming, you know, downtown night evenings. Like we're getting there and we're getting better and like we're improving and we're just pouring into that atmosphere of creating that environment. But for me, it's just like there's a place where you can actually come. You have Sprouts, you have Chick-fil-A, you can actually live in- Both amazing. Both amazing. Yeah. You can live here and be outdoors. And I think for a lot of people, it's it's the break from the hustle and bustle to be able to actually move up here, see what our town offers, um, you know, our medical uh, centers and everything like that. I mean, I wouldn't say- you know, for a rural area, like we do pretty dang good, you know, yeah. um, there's ways to, we can always improve. But for me, I see a lot of people just excited to be up here to see how far their dollar goes 
from if you're coming from the Bay Area or outside of the area, it does seem like your dollar goes a lot farther. For here right. in Reading, if you're a Reading native, you feel like you're getting squeezed. So I see that perspective. But a lot of people just love – I feel like we're we're almost like an island separate from California. You know, a lot of people know that we're a bit more of the conservative state of California. And so I feel like a lot of people just feel like they get to breathe a little bit up here. You know, be out in nature. You know, kind of have a little bit more laxed um, – politics status and so I think it just allows people to have a little bit more diversity um, and also be able to afford living here but still have great options I can see why you're a real estate agent yeah <laughs> that was a good pitch <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's, it's all true what you yeah, just said yeah, though yeah. I mean between the mountains and the you know I mean the heat's one thing but you can you're get air hours, conditioning it's, I think the pitch is like you're two hours from like you're two and a half hours from Sacramento you're two hours from the coast you're two right. hours this it's like a just a shoot off from wherever you want to be. And I think a lot of people don't realize how great Reading really is until I always am like, what I actually always ask is when people are like coming out, I'm like, why are you coming to Reading? Like, why did you come to Reading? I mean, we do have like a lot of local mega churches here that draw people here. And, um, we do also have, you know, different, I mean, the flight school here, you know, and yeah. different, you know, um, opportunities, like people do come for that. Um, so it is kind of interesting, you know, a lot of times it's just family, family lives here, family born, raised here, and they're moving back to be with family, you know? So, or, Hey, like it's, like I said, it's more affordable up here. So, right. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, that's. I'm glad you bring that up because I'm not a part of any the mega churches. I'm not a part of any you know the aviation school, nothing like that. Nothing, nothing cool around here, I guess. But I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing either. Where mm-hmm. you know, I think the city is getting better because of it. I think it is more um, palatable. I, I think people do want to flock here a little bit more because of it. And I, I've been here my whole life, and being an adult, you know, I'm only 23. But I remember even 10 years ago, man, there was no Chick Fil A. There was not yeah. a second In and Out. There was just little stuff downtown. Home goods. Have, when home gets home goods. I was like, oh. Yeah, we've made it. <laughs> I mean, I worked at Sprouts for a couple of years. I love Sprouts. Shout out to everyone yeah. there. It's a lovely grocery store. I think it's easily the nicest one we have because mm-hmm. um, it, it gives you like that Whole Foods feel where it just it feels like premium, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are all good things for Reading. I mean, people hate change, you know. Yeah. I mean, you born and raised here. I'm sure you maybe remember when the McConnell Foundation was trying to do the Sundial Bridge and everyone's like, no, why do we mm-hmm. need a bridge over the river? Yada, yada. Who and doesn't enjoy like, that? Yeah. Who doesn't enjoy that? Now it's like that? the iconic, we go, to, we go to Turtle Bay, we go to the Sundial, you know? Right. You walk your dog there, bike. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's beautiful. On, on a nice summer day, it is a beautiful thing to yeah. go look at. So people hate change. That's just how it is. And I, I'm glad you bring up the the characteristics and stuff. And I'm sure you guys pitch that in your, yeah, in it's, your, it's you know, a balance, I think, thing. of change. But I also think if from being so connected, like every Monday I feature a local business and I stay true to a local business because I think every local business here deserves some sort of platform, whether they have it or not. And so every Monday I'll like support our local business as best as I can and highlight them. And I really think that Reading has a really cool heart despite change and maybe more corporate things coming in and where that balances out for people. Like, I think there's still such a deep root for locals um, and supporting local businesses and helping local businesses thrive that um, I think that's really what I, it is like a hometown, you know, when you come back here, it's like, you know, you're not flooded with corporate, you know, um, store chains, like it's a good mix and diversity. So you have options. And I think that's just something I really have always loved about writing. It's just like, we push as much as we can with local businesses, give them opportunities, support, rally, whatever. And then we have diversity where we need it to fill the gaps. Yeah. I, I mean, you bring that up. Everything downtown is local. I mean, Taste and See, Cinders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, Shameless, seventeen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shameless, uh, seventeen twenty four. The Cascade Theater, Market Street Steakhouse. Like these are all one offs. These are mm-hmm. all local businesses that are absolutely thriving. I think it's a good thing. You know, yeah. I, I the people that draw back on it or have their takes, um, you know, are going to have their takes anyway. Yeah. But I, I just hope that, uh, like you're trying to explain, I think that they see the good in Reading mm-hmm. and, and the good that you know, uh, and, and, and the layman's the terms were too. were coming up. I guess. Yeah. You Totally. (laughs) I want to ask you about this. I'm a young man. I have no idea how much I should save. I have no idea what my interest rate should look like. It sounds like five, six percent is kind of where everyone hangs around. What age would you, I don't want to say recommend, but what do you think is the best age or the most popular age for younger people to get a mortgage? And how much should they pay up front, uh, pay down on the house when they go to get the mortgage? What do you see? Because my mom... 30 years old. It's always been ingrained in my head. Hey, 30, I want to have my own place, you know, and I mm-hmm. maybe should try and save until I'm 30. Is that realistic anymore with these new prices? What do you think? What's the best age to go get a mortgage? Um, I mean, I honestly wish my husband and I had bought sooner. Um, I felt like 
we did really well f- jumping in. I mean, we were honestly renting out um, off of South Street, and it was like three sixty a month. Um, it was a shout out to the Reading Garden Co-op. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> they still exist. It's so cool. Really? Um, yeah, they're they're a great. They were a great apartment complex, and we were able to save a ton of money. Um, I think it just really depends on what your um, what you're ingr- you know ingrained in as a kid. Like, so I grew up. My parents were like, "You save for a rainy day. You save, save, save." So that's like the mindset I always grew up in. You know, Dylan was more of the entrepreneur, flipping cars and trying to make money on the side and whatnot. And so for us, like. I never like grew up saying like, oh my gosh, I need to buy a house. I just was like, hey, like a pretty house sounds nice, you know, but now being on the real estate side and actually understanding the, you know, the importance of it, I would say like, as soon as you have, you know, money saved and you're able to qualify for even just your first house, your first house is not your forever home. And I think a lot of people just get so caught up in, it has to be pretty, it has to be perfect. It has to look like this. And I have to have 20% down and all this stuff. And really, if it's your first house, you can have as little as three to 5% down. And it kind of eliminates this like, oh my gosh, like really? Like there's so many people, if you're listening, you do not have to have 20% down. To I was going to ask you, 20 if it is, is your a pri- ton. Yeah. If it is your primary property, you do not have to have 20% down. Um, and there's a lot of programs out there. You know, if you're a veteran, you could get 100% finance. There's USDA that's 100% financing. Um, there's certain restrictions with it. And then there's conventional and FHA. So I would say that a lot of people that we meet um, are trying to save as much as possible with how expensive things are. Um, and I just would keep working towards that goal and not be afraid that buying houses when you get older, like being able to buy a house, hold on to it, turn it into a rental property, move on to the next one. I mean, that's just how you start your real estate investing career and your portfolio. And I wish my husband and I had done that. Instead, we bought what felt like our like, quote unquote, forever home, not that it is our forever home, but a really great landing pad that I wish we had bought something a little bit simpler, moved out of it, turned that into a rental and started our investment portfolio sooner. Um, Whereas we bought our house and then we put 20% down on our investment property because I was like, I'm not moving out of this nice house. Like, we'll put 20% <laughs> down for that, yeah. um, you know. And so I would just say, like, there's opportunity. So I think a lot of people in, like, the entrepreneur, like, young side just think, like, you know, their their first house has to be their forever home. And it doesn't. So, and I think there's still opportunities if you're flexible on location, flexible and like taking off the rose colored, you know, glasses and seeing like opportunity and putting your own sweat equity into it versus like feeling like you have to buy the American white picket fence dream house first off, you know? Right. Because I, I kind of get caught up in that myself because I, I go visit like Pleasant Hills and Anderson yeah. and the view. <laughs> Super nice. Mount, it's amazing. You know, I, I lived in Anderson. I lived off of, uh, off pinion. So it's like, I live down in like the, the older, you know, section yeah. nowadays. Um, you know, you look at something like the bluffs, you know, people mm-hmm. talk about the bluffs, hilltop. It's beautiful. I mean, oh, yeah. You see the cliff when you drive by on the 44. Um, and then you go look at the other bluffs overlooking like the driving range, aqua mm-hmm. golf and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you know, am I ever going to get there? You know, you yeah. stress out about it and whatnot. But it sounds like to you, it's like you don't have to have, you know, your first forever home at 30. I mean, unless you want yeah. to at 30, you know. But- I would say just focus on location. Like uh, anytime my husband and I are investing or we're buying, we're like, would we actually live here? If the world crashed and we had to move into one of these houses, would we live here? And as long as I'm comfortable living here, like somebody else is going to be comfortable living there, you know? And so like location, you can always change a house. You can always update it. You can make it pretty, fancy, whatever. But you can't change the location. So I would just make sure like whoever is giving you real estate advice or guiding you that through that process, they're really looking out for like, hey, where's the best, you know, return of investment as a rental you know, where, where would, where would home appreciation, how are home appreciation prices doing in like a certain neighborhood, you know, just to kind of set you up for a long-term success versus just getting fixated on, oh, the price is like 215. This is great. But I'm like, well, if it's, you know, not in the greatest area, you know, it might be a little bit more challenging to make it a rental property down the road if, you know, that's not going to happen. So. Do you recommend, I, I don't know what I should should ask. I, I don't want to like incriminate you because <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I know you guys do business, but like, would you recommend people using that first house, quote unquote, as like a, a rental eventually, or do you think that people should just you know get a house, live there, do your thing? Maybe yeah. if you want to do that eventually, you can. But like, what would you recommend? I mean, you know, being it, real estate. Yeah, 
it, it goes back to what are you comfortable with? Some people will forever never want to be a landlord or deal with tenants or deal with an Airbnb or anything like that. And all they care about is having a nice home to come to, creating an environment that their family can be raised in and investing in different things like stock, Bitcoin, whatever that looks like. Um, and so I think it just comes down to, do you see yourself investing in real estate? Do you foresee yourself, you know, you know, having rental properties? If so, like maybe we can look at it this lens. If not, and this needs to be like a place that you land your family for the next 5, 10, 15 years. Like let's take this a little bit more serious on, you know, what exactly is the, you know, must-haves of this house. So that's kind of like how I break it. Because there's some people that we meet and they're like, I will never rent out my house. I will never be a landlord. And I'm like, okay real estate investing is not for you and that's okay. Yeah. And some people straight up know that because they had a bad experience or their family had a bad experience and they think it's going to be the same experience or they're just not interested in it. We talk about Bitcoin and crypto <laughs> crashing and stuff like that. Do people come to you guys like, Hey, I have five Bitcoins. I, I have people try to do crypto and cash. Do people, how do the transaction, and I don't know how far you can go yeah, with yeah. this stuff, you know, just stop me when I'm going too far, but how do people kind of pay for this stuff? Do you see the rise of crypto in the real estate market? Do people approach you with like, I have 10,000 Ethereum coins? Like, how does that go? How do, or is it like, you got to have you know, cash I, or a loan? Yeah, I did watch a seminar on how people are like trying to break into like buying real estate and Bitcoin and Ethereum and the whole meta universe. Um, yeah. All that yeah. NFTs and all that. And it's very interesting to me, like the, the mindset or like the, what people get attached to in terms of like what their, you know, money is worth or where, where they put it. Um, I personally feel like writing is sometimes behind the times. Um, so like when yes. everything was happening with like Zillow buying houses and, you know, open door and Redfin and everybody like, you know, coming to people and saying, I'll buy your house for X, Y, Z. I don't really feel like Reading got that hit very hard with that. If at all. Um, yeah. I feel like a lot of people are very like conservative up here and they're like skeptical. And so they're That's like, how we've always done it. Yeah, yeah. It's like my aunt sells real estate. I'm going to go with my aunt. Like it's a trusted resource. And so maybe we will see Bitcoin. I don't think it, I think we're just going to be behind the time. Like San Fran, LA, like people might already be doing small transactions or having their first successful transaction or larger cities like New York. Uh, but writing, I feel like is going to take a little bit for us to get there because yeah. pitching the idea and the concept for the generations that live here, I don't know if they're quite would grasp it as quickly as like a larger diverse city like New York or something like that. Land has never been more valuable than it is yes. right now, especially in California. Yeah, the, the, the California dream, the American dream, people think of, you know, like we talk about the beach and, you know, totally. 68 degrees and all that stuff. And they're more expensive than ever. Interest rates are on the rise. What comes next for you and Dylan as far as just navigating that? Uh, it sounds like you're not worried at all. It sounds like this is a, a total passion thing, which is great. I feel like mm -hmm. you need some of that when the tough times do come, just like anything else. Um, do you – I know I've already asked if you're worried about it, but do you see land in California ever coming down? Or do you think that it's just there's only so much of it and someone's got to sell it and we're just going to do what we can do? We can't control the price anyway. Like what comes next this year and, and beyond right. as far as, you know, these interest rates and, and everything goes? Yeah. I think everybody, it's funny is like, everybody's like, I've talked to some people and they're like, man, I hope it like crashes. I'm like, why, why would you want to like hope it crashes? That doesn't benefit anybody. You know, um, if you're a seller that doesn't benefit you, if you're hoping prices crash, cause that's just going to negatively affect you. So how I kind of see it is like the economy really learned about mortgages in 08 and you know, they were basically giving money for free and they're like the to get a mortgage was like, there were so many steps missed. And now we are in such a more systemized, you know, environment where it's like, we are so like PTSD. We don't want to go back to 08. Right. So what comes up must come down. Everybody knows that. Like, do I think that home prices appreciation are going to read it, reach a peak at some point? Absolutely. Like I do think that home prices will eventually come down a little bit. Like appreciation will might, you know, come down. I'm not like a magic crystal ball or anything like that, <laughs> but I think it, it's going to take a couple years before we reach that point of where it turns. Cause even with interest rates going high, like, you know, the last two properties we listed, we had five offers, $20,000 over asking. So it's like, you know, it, it, it depends on what the, it depends on what the product is and how high the demand is for it. You know, people that are listing their house right now that have an unrealistic expectation or are hoping they're going to get multiple offers and start high and they're not adjusting to where the market is currently or what, 
how people are going to respond to the house. Those are the prices that you're seeing come down. Then people are like, oh my gosh, prices are coming down. I'm like, yes, prices are coming down because that person started too high and they have to adjust because maybe it's a, there's a, you know, a unique factor about it that nobody can get past or, you know, they wanted to try high and then they said, oh, I'll just come down a couple weeks later if it doesn't work, you know? So there's going to be those people that strategically price their house well, that you'll see get multiple offers and there's going to be people that strategically price their house high, you know, hoping they'll get that needle in the haystack and then it'll eventually come down. So I think over time, like the next couple years, like home prices are going to be fine. And then when home prices appreciation kind of reaches that limit and it, it will adjust, I don't think it's going to be a crash. Um, a lot of people have so much equity in their house right now. So, you know, it's not like they're going to, if anything, if they had to default, they, you know, could, you know, refinance, pull out money out of their house and pay off stuff if, you know, this, if there was a trickle effect. But I think that, you know, eventually they'll come down a little bit, but not, you know, crazy drop like 08. Okay. Gotcha. So remaining optimistic for sure. I'm very optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At least what I'm reading. I mean, nobody could predict COVID. So nobody knew COVID was coming. So to what I can see and what I've been studying and, you know, experiencing in the market, I feel like we're still uh, doing really, really well. I don't know if you've had these conversations with people. I'm, I'm sure there's been one or two people. Let's say, uh, you know, you bring up San Diego. It's my favorite city in the world. Okay. I, I haven't gone very far, yeah. but San Diego is my favorite. Uh, you know, I love San Francisco and whatnot. Let's say, you know, I, I live in San Francisco. I, I live in, I, I happen to have a condo in Millennium Tower, right? Mm-hmm. It overlooks the bay. I, Uber Eats comes to my door. I have Whole Foods down the street. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff to do. Why in the world would I move to Reading? What would you and Dylan pitch? Why would I move here to retire? Why would I, uh, what is there for me to do here? I, maybe that's a better question for you. Like, what is there for me to, to do here in Reading that compared to San Francisco or San Diego where there's Coronado and there's professional sports teams? You guys don't have any professional sports teams. Like, I'm not trying to shit on Reading. I, I oh, love yeah, Reading. Yeah. You know, I love Reading no, yeah, you know, I, I don't mean to curse on that either, but like, I'm just wondering how you guys navigate that. I'm sure you've been hit with questions like that. Like, well, Faith and Dylan, what is there for me to even do here? What is there for me and my kids to do here? There's no yeah. top golf. There's no, how do you guys deal with that? I think it's just uh, painting what they're lacking in where they're currently living. Like, why is your what is your need to actually move? Like, why are you even considering? Like, what would be your motivation? If it's family, that's an easy one to, like, obviously navigate. If it's, like, we're just looking for change, which is a lot of, like, this broad thing we get, um, then I pitch, or I don't pitch, I just share, like, what Reading's been to me. Like, the changes we've gone through, what options you have. You have two beautiful lakes. You have the mountains. We have some of the best fishing up here. Um, some of the most incredible bike trails, hiking, um, you know, you're close to Mount Shasta, Castle Crags. Like, I mean, there's just so much nature all packed into such a like tiny area that I don't think you can really experience that like in the Bay area and the hustle and bustle. Yeah. You have areas that you can jet out to and hike around, but for what we're surrounded by, I feel like most people just want to change when they move up here. They want to have a different, they want to have like a disrupting pattern um, to be able to slow things down. And for me, I'm just like, if that's what you're looking for, you're going to feel well supported as like a small local business. You're going to have more opportunity to possibly be seen because there's not so much of the same competition. You know, maybe you're just the only person here in Reading that does X, Y, Z versus if you're in the Bay Area, you might have 5, 10, 15 people. And now you're like this competition of trying to be like the number one. So I feel like with the opportunity to grow and an opportunity to um, have a change in pattern, that's what a lot of people, I feel like, and nature, I feel like people like want to make the move up to Reading. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, on a clear day, it is unlike yeah. any, I mean, yeah, I, we talk about the big cities and we talk about the ocean, but man, go, I, I live in Conwitz, coming over that hill and you see yep. Mount Shasta on a clear day, then you look to Trinity Alps and mm-hmm. last, I mean, it is very, very nice. It's yeah. a beautiful area. Yeah, I love it here. This Father's Day giveaway. I want to talk about something fun. Yes. Let's go back to something not yes. so not so heavy. Let's go back to the, to the Instagram, if you will. Father's Absolutely. Day giveaway. What's going on with this? What's this all about? So um, I love doing giveaways. I love partnering with businesses. I love just kind of creating um, just a hype around a holiday. So um, we've done Father's Day, Mother's Day. So this Father's Day, we've partnered up with um, extreme day rentals for like a side-by-side ATV day rental. Um, we have a physical therapy session from a local active, um, physical therapy in Reading. Um, we have Dutch Bros coffee that jumped in, um, Reading heating and air and Blair Hodgson over at Vaughn mortgage and us are throwing in a Traeger. Um, and then a couple agents for my team, Sam and Megan are doing like some gift cards to Maxwell's and, um, 
uh, oh geez, oh Fall River Brewery. And, oh, awesome. Yeah, and then um, we have a couple other additional people that have just jumped in, which is um, super awesome. So any way that we can just kind of like bless a dad just to have a rad day is just kind of like my heart behind it. And just also kind of pulling together like different businesses you might not think of, um, to, you know, uh, support to kind of give them a, you know, a unique idea to be a part of it. You and Dylan have easily one of the most popular pages for real estate agents well, thank you. <laughs> in, in Reading. Yeah. Um, I'm not what? like Ryan Serham, but thank you for Reading. <laughs> uh, you guys have done amazing sales. You guys have had, you know, a couple iconic sales. What comes next in 2022 and beyond for you and your husband and just the Barrett team? Yeah. Um, so a lot of people know that I was a full-time nurse. Um, I stepped away from that um, September of last year, um, really stepped away from that just to hyper-focus on real estate um, so that's been a huge and healthy change for us just to be able to not be in two places at once mentally. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But uh, for us, it's just kind of more investing. Um, so my husband and I are on this train right now of um, building ADUs, which is accessory dwelling units. So it's like tiny in-law houses on the back of each of our properties that we own in downtown Reading. Um, we actually are just about to finish our first one. So it's going to be 600 square feet fully brand new with solar. And, um, we're really excited about it just to be able to kind of add more units on our property without having to buy more doors. Um, so really for the next couple of years, we're just kind of like buckling down and trying to like add more ADUs to our properties, um, increasing our investment portfolio. Cause at the end of the day, like I love real estate, I love serving people, but you know, when a family eventually comes, like, you know, I want to have, be able to have that passive income so that if the continuing market changes and fluctuates, you know, we have options as well that I'm not just banking on a sale each month. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where can people find you on Facebook and Instagram and whatnot? Yeah. Uh, so we're on Facebook. We are the Barrett team. And then our more um, active, you know, page where you can see all of our reels videos is on Instagram. So the Barrett team, three T's, because um, I was brilliant when I came up with our, <laughs> when <Gotcha>. our name, <laughs> most people forget the second, uh, the third T, but three T's, yes, uh, yeah. two R's, three T's, uh, but the Barrett team. Um, so yeah, we're on Facebook, TikTok, um, Instagram, our most active and fun pages, um, our Instagram account, where we just kind of share a lot of our life through that. So yeah. Definitely give us a follow. She has a DM. We're always here to help um, answer any questions. If you're thinking about getting into real estate, we love talking to people who want to get into real estate. Um, so yeah, we're just open door here to help us anything we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming on Faith. Yeah. I appreciate it very First much. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that was cool when you told me that. I was like, yeah, I always love hearing that when people yeah. come up here. So I want to thank you for coming on. And um, cool. yeah, I mean, if I ever have any questions or anything, you guys are from the area that helps a lot for someone yeah. like me. It's also a local that, you know, knows stuff that people coming from out of town probably wouldn't. So absolutely. Um, just thank you for doing this. And I learned a ton and yeah. I thought it was super cool. Yeah, so, absolutely. Thanks so much. It. Yeah. If you guys have made it this far, thank you for listening. I'll be back here in a couple days, and I will see you guys later. Have a good day.